All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. And boy, oh boy, do we have a really scintillating, a juicy episode this week. You know, but before I get ahead of myself, I must, of course, infer the great one, the ever-knowing sage. This man has literally been to underground Chicago, the city before the city. He was actually bore witness to the burning of London. This man actually even knows what Humpty Dumpty is all about. I'm talking about the one and only Moses Waldy. Moses, how are we doing this week, man? Good. I was kind of worried there what you were going to say about the sage. And I was like, I'm going to be saging the you know, like the TD Garden. And like Kyrie did a little bit. Just bring some of that out. You know, just kind of cleanse everything. Cleanse all those yeah, uh, those bad what, spirits. I'll tell you what the the whole league needs some sage right now. We're seeing some we're seeing some uh, heavy stuff. They need some sage in Washington. I'll tell you that much. But uh, we we'll get into that on a different day. But what we do have today, Moses, uh, which is pretty exciting, and I know uh, you know we were really really good about excited about this is we have today's an interview. Um, it's a little bit different, mm -hmm. of course. We're back to our interviews, of course. We're, we're hitting 2021 off early you know we're giving you that good sweet content um so this week we are joined by um six-time nba vet uh you know this guy's been he's he's a boston native essentially boston transplant massachusetts transplant you know i guess moses you and him have that in common outside of that i don't know what we else. enjoy a lot of kevin McHale. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, there's a there's a Celtic yeah. tie-in, man. I'm I'm happy about that. Of course, I'm happy about that. Of course, of course. And then that is none other than Craig Smith. So, with you know, we get into a lot uh, within this one. You know, we're so happy to have him. Uh, and again, you know, thank you so much to Craig Smith for for giving us this opportunity to to sit down and or not even sit down, zoom down, and chop it up. You know, I know um, he's he's uh, it seems like he's enjoying your time and in Cali, you know, living his living his best life. So, uh, yeah, that weather, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> we've been hit hard here, man. I don't know how you are in Vancouver, but here in Calgary, we, we hit some kind of polar vortex. So yeah. like the, the temperatures got chilly and then it's even worse because, you know, where I'm from, or, you know, originally like a, mm -hmm. a prairie kid, which is, yes. you know, like you're just in the middle of nowhere, Midwest, uh, yeah. U.S., those listening down south and they're reaching minus 38 temperatures that's celsius so i don't even yeah. know what that is no uh, fahrenheit <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to get yeah i'm gonna have to do some googling here because i don't even know what the temperature is like that's what i'm gonna minus. do right now <laughs> yeah you're like you go, yeah is this like if hell froze over this is what it would <laughs> yeah. be right that's what it, that's, that's oh. essentially it comes down to completely agree completely agree uh, but yeah, no. They, Holy uh, smokes! It's minus thirty-six point four Fahrenheit. <laughs> so, so just like oh, yeah, it's that far off, yeah. So those people are like, "Damn, it's cold." And I think, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is this is cold, cold, baby, baby. This is cold, cold. Ah, uh, give me some, cold. give me some of that warm weather, man. If we, if we could, if we could, if we could travel, if we could travel like our politicians here in Canada could travel without us, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. and telling us not to. And yeah. uh, that'd be the life. Yes. Oh, that'd be sure. the life. That'd be the what? Circumvent, life. yeah. Circumvent any of those uh, travel orders? Sure, why not? Well, you know what? I'm a politician. Go ahead. 
it's a it's a good day. It's a good day. Yeah, we're starting off on the right foot. Good. Yeah, starting off just not just, at just, all. Yeah. No, not not in the least. Yeah, but so yes, we do get into so much with uh, Craig. You know what he, um, what it was like in in college. You know, uh, living in Massachusetts for a little bit. You know, he attended a prep school there as well before getting into Boston College and and. Um, becoming a breakout star and like everything in between you know we get into a few really good stories gives us some some dimes some stuff that had me cackling just absolutely cackling uh about a few um nba legends you know that uh you maybe wouldn't have known before and i think that was the best those some of the best parts about it like the what we got from it for sure yeah and uh, so then I guess, you know, without further ado, we will do the do and bring you the interview. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take the clip. Take, yeah. <laughs> Take the clip. Bleachers, uh, it's Tendo and Moses. This is, of course, a uh, an interview segment. And today we are joined with the illustrious, the incredible. Uh, we are talking with a, a, a six-year NBA vet, a big three um that uh, an israeli uh basketball vet we are, this man is uh, his honors stretch far beyond this man did wonders at boston college i need i say more uh you know the, the this this is uh craig smith craig welcome to the show and blessings i appreciate what's up you guys um i'm very thankful to have this opportunity and i, I appreciate it no, thank you so much. That we we love we love uh, having the opportunity. You know, we don't always get the opportunity to speak with uh, legends. You know, with, with sporting sporting greatness. You know, we we're always on the sidelines talking about it. The shows beyond the bleachers. So you know, we're always just like you know, after looking at the box score. So it's great to get the opportunity to speak with someone who lived it. You know, breathed it every day. You know, and we got plenty of questions. Uh, there's a lot we want to get into, Craig. Uh, but firstly, we wanted to know a little bit. You know, we we know you you did wonders at Boston College, man. You were incredible, a force to be reckoned with. You know, even uh, Kevin McHale spoke of you when when they selected you as a hard nose. You know, hard nose player. You know, he takes no nonsense and he will get the job done. Uh, we want to speak speak to us a little bit about your time at Boston College, man. Well, my Boston college time was was definitely a little bit different than my California time. He did. Um, I first got introduced to the weather, and I think that for me was a culture shock within itself, just because I've, as you see, I've been around nothing but amazing weather all my life. So um, the first year was a little bit tough because I had to get a bit of an understanding of what the weather goes and what clothes I need to basically put on. Um, But other than that, um, I was already kind of prepared because I knew I was an underdog and I wanted to just show the world that I can be able to play at the highest level. And I just wanted to prove everybody wrong. So I already had a, a ton of energy basically to go out there and, and prove against uh, a lot of guys and show that like I'm, I'm a real talent. And I feel like having you know, basically almost 20 and 10 as a freshman, you feel me? Incredible. Um, was a very great season, but I have to give the credit to the Troy Bell because if Troy's not there, um, then I get double teams. 
yeah. pretty pretty simple to have to have a, a such a wing leader by me being a freshman was was so much helpful because he actually helped us understand the game a little bit faster and we felt like we were more so upperclassmen than freshmen um after especially after playing that season with Troy yeah no I I I can imagine like being in that Massachusetts uh, area there you know seeing you came from Worcester Academy as well so you feel as though you had that like Boston or, or Massachusetts mentality that that grit like it's it's not going to be given to you you got to work for it right yeah because I felt like when I when I first came to Worcester I was getting played because you know at that time I didn't look like a, a natural basketball player I still had a little bit of uh, chubbiness going on with me so like even like that first day my teammates was even looking at me sideways but <laughs> I but what I did was I shut them up after one play and literally we had went to like the small part of the gym and you know in this gym it has like the little track around it and then you have once you walk in you see like the old school courts of uh i mean like the dark old old school wood floor yeah. and then once walking in around the whole gym is nothing but division one college coaches anyway so i already felt like i just want to prove to y'all to let you know y'all missed out on a good talent but i'm about to shut my teammates up so I remember Jerry Jack had shot it. It came off the rim. I grabbed it. I was underneath the basket. I just went up and dunked it on everybody. Oh, man. And then yeah. <laughs> after that, Jerry Jack says, man, I think we're going to win the championship. <laughs> <laughs> With this. Yeah, for sure. At six, seven, man, you were a menace. A menace in the ACC for sure. Um, and now we also want to transition to get to the fact that a big – a big love of ours here at, at the podcast is as well as, you know, just being from this side of the border, uh, Minnesota, yeah. we love, we love some, some Timberwolves and, uh, you getting your, your shot at the Timberwolves being in that system, uh, meeting, you know, KG, you know, like a lot of that, like must've been an incredible experience. We want to know a bit more about that. Talk to us about what it was like, you know, becoming a, essentially a part of the the Timberwolves franchise so um I didn't know where I was going to get drafted I didn't work out for the Timberwolves um I worked out for a few other teams like the the Clippers uh Sacramento uh the Supersonics um and uh what was the other team in Golden State actually you're throwing it back when you so, say supersonics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm throwing a super <laughs> back for everybody. Yeah, I was like, that's a long time. Yeah. They'll come back. They'll be back. I'm sure we they'll hope. be back at some point. in the For sure. Same the thing with the Grizzlies. They're yeah, missing some well, teams out there. Vancouver Grizzlies, please. Yeah. We yeah, need something. Absolutely. So, um... That process is going on. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, like, I see my name on there. And then next thing you know... Um, my agent's like, hey, Kevin McHale's on the phone. Kevin McHale's wow. on there. And to me, I love Kevin McHale, but Kevin McHale to me sounds like the macho man Randy Savage. <laughs> so I feel like he's already, I feel hyped in the sense. He gets on the yeah. phone, he's like, hey, brother, we're so excited for you, brother. <laughs> you know, so oh, it's just man. like, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm like, yo, this is Kevin McHale, one of the Hall of Famers. Like, yeah. I'm going to learn so much, but at the same time, I'm so ready to prove because part of my story has always been the underdog story to always have to prove to people that I can play basketball pretty much. So um, 
that was so great. And then actually getting there the first day, I was so nervous, but it felt good to finally be somewhere where you work so hard to get to. And then when that like that motion came over, it got interrupted by KG cussing <laughs> and yelling. And I'm like, oh, snap, you really it's real. Like, it's real. Like, oh, OK. That energy that he has is special um, because for one, during that whole season, it really prepared us for each and every game. We were ready to compete because we had such good practices because of KG's energy, his detail um, to understanding the opposing team, what we need to do. The little critiques just to tell me on, hey, when you're doing this move, you know, make sure you, you stay a little bit lower or just just certain little things. He was such a great teacher. And I really learned a lot. And that's what helped me get on, you know, the all-rookie team. Hey, this is actually a follow-up question I wanted to ask just in regards to KG. You talk about that mentality and that underdog mentality. He seemed to uh, embrace that a lot. And you talk about that yourself and how you got to the NBA and through Boston College much the same in terms of that attitude. Did you guys actually gel a lot in that sense? Because, you know, you had that that, that determined you know, doggone mentality type of thing where you just yeah. go out there and work your butt off. Yeah, yeah. He actually felt that. And then I think it was one piece in the uh, the halfway through the season where I didn't get picked to play on the rookie sophomore all-star game. And I felt like that was a bond even closer because he came to me and said, I wasn't on the team either. But you mm -hmm. see what I've done and see what has happened. Yeah. So it gave me hope, and then it just gave me, like, hey, just keep working. Just keep working. Yeah. Just keep working. Me, look look at what cast. he's telling you right here. If this yeah. guy didn't get on the team, like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. just got to prove people wrong, and I, and I felt like that was a really good connection um, for me because just due to my situation of being that type of underdog, you know? So. Yeah. Was, Did you actually still have a relationship with him then? Did, like, you're still in um, contact with KG I, or any of the players? Not as much. I mean, I'm getting in contact with people from time to time, but it's like just random because I feel like everybody still has that busy, you know, everybody's still doing their own thing and stuff like that. So, I mean, at in one point time, I'll yeah. reach out to them, but I feel like life happens so fast sometimes, you, you know, everybody moves in different directions. For sure. For sure. No, I, I, I with that, I, I wanted to even ask, like, you know, you you gave, you got yourself the name Black Rhino, right? And I and I it was kind of yep. interesting. Uh, did it even start like because they were calling you, you know, hard nose? You know, Kevin McHale being uh, a, a saint, patron saint of Massachusetts. You know, giving you the uh, yeah. the go ahead. You know, he had done wonders for 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 Boston. So maybe it was like, you know what, this is this is a name I can stick with. I can I can run through with this. So, yeah, Kevin McHale actually gave me the name The Rhino, and that's when I actually started to stick. And it was one day because um, we had, like, rookie duties that day in practice because somebody snitched on us about the Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> so we had to do, like, I had to play in, like, my tights and, a, and my whole jersey and the tights. So I'm mad <laughs> the whole time, but I'm showing my anger through through playing so i'm yeah. literally throwing everybody around you know <laughs> and um mikhail's like dang brother you're out here just running through people like a rhino brother i was like hey rhino that's, that's got a good that's catch a to good it one. 
Yeah, and then next thing you know, billboards. Yeah. And that was the first time I, I and I didn't even know what was happening. And then I seen a billboard of like me and the rhino, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. That's like this is this is starting yeah. to get cool. And just to think about it, 15 years later, I still have this nickname. And it's yeah. very hard to be in the NBA sometimes and to keep your nickname, you know? Yes. So oh, I, sure. I do feel very thankful to to still have that opportunity of people still calling me my nickname, not only still from NBA, but just around the world. For sure. Uh, Craig, man, now we want, we want to get into, you, you know, you also had an opportunity to play um, for the LA Clippers, you know, um, and, and yeah. uh, that, that, that is a team that's gone from, you know, from, from ups and downs, lows, and, and, and now uh, seeing a resurgence. But at yep. your time there, you, you were witnessing, I guess, the, uh, the change, the transition, the, the yeah. transition. Yeah. So we, we want to talk a little bit about that. Like what it was like, of course, at the, behind the scenes, we, we kind of see, uh, things got a little crazy and, you know, the ownership was needed to be changed yeah. hands and stuff. But before that happened, what, what was it like? What was it like as a Clipper? Um, it was a great feeling. I mean, to have that team actually bring me home. No, I was an L.A. kid. I, I, I was so grateful and thankful. So that's something that holds very dear to my heart. Um, the transition phase, having a number one pick, the energy is a little bit different. You know, our practices are good. We're really trying to put things together. We still got Chris Kamen who ends up that year having a all-star caliber year. So it's like, I I see it. Yeah. I actually see it. Now we're a few pieces missing, you know? And um, that fortunately happens when Chris Paul comes, you know? But at the same time, I knew where, where the Clippers were going because just being a part of it and not only just seeing the young guys and how hard they work and DeAndre and Blake and Eric Gordon – and, I mean, Chris Kamen was always a hard worker. And then we had BD come in. He had some injury, but his vision and his leadership was really good as well. Yeah. Um, then we got Mo Williams. But we just Mo I just started Williams. to see it. Like, I had like a, I had like a That's So Raven moment. You feel me? Where it was just like, <laughs> you can see I, into I see the future. The future. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I see the future and where it's going. They're going to be good for a long time, whether I'm here or not. Yeah, no. and I wish I would have stayed too, but you know how the business is, what it is. But I, um, I knew it, and I'm just continually happy to see them compete at such a high level now, almost mm -hmm. each and every year. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up a Clipper or a Laker fan? Like, how does that work for you? Uh, I grew up a Magic Johnson fan. I, I don't hate team. Like, I cannot pick. I'm not one sided. Like. I like basketball. So for yeah. me, it was just, I watched both of them, but we know the Lakers have won so many championships, <laughs> but that's it. You know, but I'm not a bandwagoner. I like the game of basketball. I don't have to choose sides. I like players more than, than teams in my, in my preference, well, you know, because well, players course, make the game. That makes sense. You want to talk about those uh, individuals uh, rather than uh, sometimes the team. You, you like certain players that kind of gravitate to yep. But, you know, you work for one of the most controversial owners out there uh, in pro sports. Let's just be honest. And <laughs> I, what was that relationship like with Donald Sterling when you had meetings with him? Because the stories are just endless, including with Baron Davis, how he would just like kind of jeer the guy while he was at the court. And I'm like, don't, yeah. isn't that your team? Don't you want to like help them out? Like it was just so. Yeah, it was so yeah, bizarre it was, it was to see. A little bit, 
It was a little bit different. I mean, I didn't really have no meetings with them because I wasn't, you know, that caliber player to them because obviously they just played. They just paid Darren. You got Chris Kamen, and then obviously you got the draft pick and Blake Griffin. But outside of that, there was a lot of people who I would come up and I would meet. And um, I'm a, I would meet a lot of my elders. And they would always go, hey, we like your team, but we hate your owner. And I'm like, dang. Like I, I, like, I don't even know. I just know, like, he's getting perceived really bad out here. For you sure. know what I'm saying? Yeah. By these, by the elders. So it's just like, man, what's going on? And then it was just one time maybe after the Laker Clipper game and we just won and he comes in and he just gives me like that pat on the shoulder. And you know, when sometimes you can feel that energy, <laughs> like oh, it's a little man. bit different. Like yeah. I felt it. So I was just like, oh, that's a little weird. Like, yeah. yeah. So that was my only, only one. He was happy that we won. I mean, I, played a great game and stuff but uh, you know i don't know that thought process after that but i'm sure if he would have said something it would probably wouldn't have been you know yeah, the best situation. there was some bad juju yeah. when he touched your shoulder you could just feel like this you know like the ghost just passed through or something or, yeah. or the rhino will come out please like, yeah no not at all oh that's crazy you know so but um i'm, I'm just glad that they got past that, and you know things are really, really going in the right direction for them as an organization. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They finally found their feet. It looks like you know finding, a, I guess, a place at the forum. Eventually, uh, they get their own yep. uh, sort of arena, own stadium. Yeah, yep. and then then you know now now start building on that, right? Uh, we yep. also wanted to, you know, of course, today's a is a very uh, you know specific Sad day. day. Sad day, the day of memoriam, and like, of course, you know, now that you you're speaking about your time with the Clippers, of course, the biggest, your biggest matchup being with the Lakers, um, yeah, like on the on the court, you know, first of all, let's see initially, like, what was it like, you know, playing against Kobe, you know? It was fun, man. I mean, I guess somebody who always wants to win and it's very tenacious and. You know, hard nose and willing to do anything to come out and be victorious. Like it gives you that sense of like, man, I love playing against this guy. Like it's such a good feeling. But not only that, it's like, dude, this is Mister Eighty One. This is a black mamba. You feel me? Like, and like, I mean, at that time, like he's still winning championships. Yeah. So yeah. like. For me, it was like I always made sure to bring my A game. And it was just like even in certain situations, like to be picked as one of his teammates in the Drew League to play in that all-star game. People don't remember LeBron came in and just played a game. Kobe said, I'm playing the best. And that's how like you knew initially. So then the fact that he picked me to be a part of his team and you know, to have conversations about, hey, you know, them times where you used to rhino. And you'd be like, hey, rhino, man, you used to go at hello, man. And then I was like, I was a free agent at that time. And I'm like, hey, Cole, you can see this every day. <laughs> <laughs> you can see this every day. Just make the call. Just make the call. It's so you. You got my number. You know how it works. Just make the call. That, that's amazing. Hey, you talk about that league. What's uh, some of the other most memorable moments? Because you had to at least have... Considering that rivalry between the Lakers and Clippers, there's got to be those moments where you were on the court with him, or he was joshing like the as he's going by the the Clippers bench. Just something that you know you're like, okay, that's just that's that's Kobe in a Kobe, nutshell. Kobe moment, yeah. Oh man, Kobe's just like, 
oh, how can how can I explain I this, man? Like, because I felt what one thing I did feel about Kobe is he's such a student of the game. He actually started knowing my shots. So mm-hmm. it was like one time, and I'm a, sorry, I'm gonna go back, but I was on the Timberwolves, yeah. And I normally have a move where you know I kind of crab dribble my opponent because he's smaller than me, and then I do my O curl shot. It's like a baby hook. So the first time it goes in, the next time he comes over from the weak side, beats it up. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, this dude been watching too much film. Like, he literally watched. Like, yeah. my teammate didn't even shout, like, hey, I'm open. It was just so quick to the point that he just beat it down. And then my thing with Kobe and him playing the Clipper, he's trying to kill him every time. Yeah. yeah. Every single time. And it was just, like, kind of like he – it's like he thought we was just going to clip, you know? Clip is going to clip. And then I, I think in the game where we were close, he was like, look, man, we, like, we're right there. We're going to take this. They don't, they don't have what it takes or something like that. Oh, damn. And um, I couldn't, like, remember, but it was something on the lines of that. And I felt like that's when I was like, you know, I had to buck up. Like, hold on. <laughs> and then they started giving me the, the ball on the block. And that's when Ron tried to guard me in hello. And it was like, it just wasn't happening. Oh, man. That's, That's right, because you were part of the heyday of, of that, because uh, I think it was Kobe was just coming off, when, when you joined the Clippers, Kobe was coming off an MVP, yep. that was the, when they yep. had Powell, that was when they had uh, Metal World Peace, so yeah, like a, yep. they had a good nucleus there yeah. and, and trying to build off, so you got essentially a front row seat to one of the, the, the Laker, you know, one of the prime yep. Laker teams of all time, so yep. just take... we beat them in a game, <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's for life. <laughs> you can't take that back, huh? Incredible. Most memorable moment in the NBA. That doesn't have to necessarily be with COVID, just, just in general. Um whether it be a game, uh, a moment, uh just kind of take me through that. I mean, there's always a moment of being in Madison Square Garden. There's always a moment wow. for me being at home in front of the Staples Center, in front of my family and friends. But there was this series of a week that I had my second year. Yeah, I believe it was my second year where I go to Milwaukee and we go go up there and I have 30 and 10. And then I come back into Washington the next game and have 36. So for me, I felt like I was in a little cooking frenzy right there. Some back to back 30 point games. Um, But it's always funny because I always bring that up when um, uh, when I talked to Gilbert a little bit, but he still say I lost, so I, I can't really count. <laughs> That's incredible. I, I we wanted to, I wanted to ask you, yeah, like with that, like what was your, you know, welcome to the league moment, like where you know it, whether it be someone shoving you out the way, like you know getting dunked, uh, like you know some something to be like, wow, this is this is not. This is in college. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, I think it was after the first day I got to Minnesota and KG guard me. So I came out and I made the first basket, but I didn't score again. So that was already like, <laughs> hey, welcome to preseason. And then I get in there and I meet Antonio McDice. Yo, oh. he was definitely needed to be in a, one of the world's strongest men competition. Because that dude was <laughs> Hella strong. And I was just like, he's like not even that big. He's more, but he's just like, he was so strong. And I had Mark Jackson. I had to deal with him. 
<laughs> like that was a beast. Um, who was a day when like power a, forwards were just killing it? Because yeah, right? yeah, it's a yeah. big dudes yeah. out, yeah, out there in, yeah, the, in the game. The end, and then Shaq almost took my head off. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's literally a picture of his elbow and like my head. I'm trying to move out the way. Like, and it made, and I was like, damn, my head looks small. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because like, this it it is so huge. Oh, oh but I mean, that's incredible. But, uh, yeah, yeah, what happened? Were you trying to go with the rebound with Shaq? Like, what exactly happened? Nah, he had the block, he had the ball on the block. So, th this is a funny thing when guys are like my size of being 6'6, six, 6'7, six, 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 we have a lower center of gravity. So, sometimes you can't really move us in that post like that. For and sure. seven footers don't really like things like that. So, when he was trying to move me, he couldn't move me. So, then he just, you know. I'm gonna just go ahead and try a hook <laughs> shot, but I'm gonna Keep clear it, out yeah. the space. Yeah, and I'm like, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, I like the black rhino name. You should use it. I'm a money marker. I know what I'm talking about. These are That's incredible. That's that, is that like during plays or what? Like, is he just he's he's like, plays? Like, yeah, yeah. there was like. Like, we'll be at the free throw line, right? We'll be playing the San Antonio Spurs. And, and Tim Duncan will be like, man, I'm about to windmill this shit right now. <laughs> what? He's like, what? <laughs> bro, you ain't about to get this. Re you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, bro. Stop playing. Nah, for real, I'm going to windmill it right now. Watch. So, so on, yeah, that, that, that's always been my biggest my biggest thing is, like, I know, you know, the NBA has the all the mic. They would mic you guys up from time to time. And it always seems yeah. pretty cordial and stuff or whatever. But I'm like, the talk that goes on the, the floor must be some something else. Like, Oh, yeah, it's sick. It's sick. And it it can catch you off guard. Yeah. Something really funny. And then you can see some that make guys a little bit better than they should be. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Then you have to tell us, yeah, the best trash talker that you've, you've faced and the most underrated trash talker. I feel like I know. You that. know what? Even teammates. I think it's fair to say it was teammates yeah. back in Minnesota because KG yeah. is known for, for talking and talk. But just, uh, just I, you know what? Let's go with that. Like best trash talker right. on the court opposition as well as the most underrated. Um, for me, underrated trash talker was Trent Hassel. Oh, damn. Just because he was country and his slang was a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? You had to, you had to hear out the whole sentence first to, <laughs> to hear what he's going to say because it's slang, you know? And then um, uh, I'll have to say Tony Allen. Tony, okay. Tony Allen was was really funny. He, um, I forgot, we was playing in a game. He said somebody looked like a, an attack of a killer tomato body <laughs> chest. He said they had a chest like I, I was crying. <laughs> I was crying when I heard that. So yeah, definitely that. There's some creativity in there, isn't there? Is that you? And, and you do you think, Craig? Do you think that's to throw you off your game, or is it just because? You know, like, like, as in, you know, it's you, to make you, you laugh, saying, make you mad, and make you miss. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I see, it. I see. It. But that's it's like incredible. you got proof them wrong, so you got to be like, you know, I'm about to make this buck. I can't, I can't think about it. I can't think about yeah. it. Like they'll yeah. try to, they'll try to do that at the free throw line too. You know what I'm saying? They'll definitely try to do that to you at the free throw line just to knock you off your game. Damn, damn, just throw you, a, throw you a loose one like that. You know, give you some yeah. more fat before it's. Before you have to let the exactly room. totally distract you. Yeah, yeah. Throw your, so. your thing. So we wanted to know, man. Like in, in your career, like you know, even you know, going going all overseas and stuff. Like, 
could you say there's a player that you've played against that maybe people don't necessarily rate, but you felt as though this person's got they got the good, they got the DNA, but maybe you know, like it just oh yeah, that's that way. Man, it's just a few people. I mean, my guy on my teammate, there's two guys: there's Josh Duncan and there's Jacob Pullen. Um, Jacob Pullen's a beast, and I felt like. He should have had his opportunities. Just like my guy I went to BC with, Tyrese Rice. Okay. He should have got yeah. that opportunity. He could have easily got a bag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just name Andre Uder. I liked his game, too, even though he was a little bit smaller than me. But I liked his game as well. Um.
There will be no Paul Pierce slander on this one because this is a segment. Thank you. Thank you. See, that's uh, the thing I'm going to have to talk to you about because I, they're from the same neighborhood. I believe they're both from Inglewood. So, damn it, we're bringing Craig back. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to be like, this guy who's above me right now is shit-talking my boy, Paul P. 